move. Concerning Christian scouting. So, where should we start? <laughs> the first one? Serving full time. Okay. Oh, which one are you thinking of? The second one. <laughs> Relationship with Brother Lee? Okay. Um, well, I didn't have that much to do with Brother Lee directly. Um, I mean, basically what we do is, um, as far as my work is concerned, um, you know, Brother Lee was doing the Old Testament life studies, and what we would do is he would tell us, as soon as he finished one life study training, he would tell us what he's going to do the next training. And then we would make sure that by the time he finished, well, he'd, he'd give us like six months, you know, he'd give us six, tell us six months beforehand what the next training was going to be on. And then we would, you know, endeavor to get the recovery version text for that training, and we'd put it on a seat. Um, as soon as he finished the last message of that training, say he was on Isaiah, we would put the psalm, and he told us the next one was going to be the psalm of Jeremiah, we would put it on his seat. So as soon as he got down from the platform, it would be there, and then he would be able to start you know, his reading, start writing the outlines, whatever he would, he would do. And then, uh, towards the end of that time, you know, before the, you know, say maybe a month or so before the, the tra actual training, we would get together with him sometimes, and we'd, you know, he'd ask us, you know, why did you translate this this way, or what's going on here, or is there something in Hebrew, or, you know. Um, and so, basically, Kerry did most of the translation for the Old Testament for the, 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 um, the training. And then, uh, but some of the books that, um, and then I would come behind Kerry, I, I'd just read through his, his translation and you know, suggest or you know, make adjustments and stuff like that. And then, for the books that probably had already done the life studies for, like Genesis and Exodus and things. I did those translations and Kerry came behind me, so we kind of, you know, brought it together um, on that. So, that was mainly the way um, I served with Brother Lee directly. Um, sometimes he would come to the Living Stream office, we'd have meetings with him, and he'd share something with us. Uh, one of the things that um, was quite striking to us he was burdened, he said, he was concerned that a number of the serving ones, um, we didn't have much of a church life. You know, it's easy when you get into the service, you just serve, 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 you know, serve on Saturday, serve on Lord's Day, serve in the evenings, or go to sleep, or whatever. Um, and uh, he said to us, he said, we shouldn't build the ark, but not enter into the ark. So this is, I mean, I don't know how many of you plan on serving after finish the training, but this, this is, can be a, a temptation or a tendency or whatever, that you, you know, you're serving one on the campus or whatever, and you're just, you know, you're spending a lot of time serving, taking care of people, uh, and then, you know, you feel like, oh, the weekends, I want to have a break, you know, <laughs> doing all this, the Lord's work, and, you know, I don't want to go to the meeting on the Lord's Day, or don't want to preach the gospel, or, I mean, of course, on the campus, you're up with them, but, um, you know, as a, a living stream serving one, you may think, well, I'm doing so much for the Lord, you know, I can skip the church meetings or, you know, don't go to the prayer meeting um, or, you know, forget about the vital group meeting or, or whatever like that. So, so anyway, he, he was burdened that we wouldn't 
build the ark. You know, the ministry, the service is for the building of the ark, but we need to enter into the ark as well. So, um, so that was one quite striking time of fellowship. I think he, he, I think he shared it more than once actually with us. But you know, showing that he has had quite a burden uh, for this matter with the serving ones. Um, yeah. No more need to build <laughs> Well, we're still building the ark until the Lord comes back. So. <laughs> um. Does Bodily has any recreation? Uh, what does he do to... He's to uh, exercise every day. Mm. Yeah, and he was very diligent. Bodily was this kind of person... He was absolute for whatever he's, he's doing. Mm. So if he was taking a rest, a nap in the afternoon, he'd get changed. He'd put his pajamas on. <laughs> take a nap, and he was serious. And then he'd get up and get changed again. He was studying the Bible. He always put a tie on. Mm. Um, I think uh, Kerry was sharing one time. He was in hospital, mm. um, in his hospital bed, and he wanted to read the Word. So he basically he got out of bed, he put on his shirt and tie, jacket, and sat in a chair. To read the word, mm. <laughs> which is very kind of striking to, to you know, he was very serious. So with exercise again, he was he was very, you know, he realized that, you know, we can't just take care of our spirit. He even said the most spiritual people are the ones who take care of their physical health, mm. you know, as opposed to you know maybe we don't take care of our physical body and what we eat and stuff like that. Because we're lazy, you know, <laughs> we just, you know, or we just overindulge ourselves. We, we eat the wrong kind of foods or whatever, you know, this kind of thing. So, but he was very, very. Of course, Sister Lee was another factor. She was very exercised, and she, you know, who knows um, how much um, her um, taking care of Brother Lee extended the days of his life. You know, mm. and that that was a very practical service, but a very you know, praise the Lord, you know, he was able to live the, the amount of time he did and, you know, maybe part, you know, Sister Lee is partly to, you know, responsible for that. You know, she'd, sometimes she'd call up when Brother Lee was traveling, you know, ask the saints what, what they're serving him. <laughs> you know, these kind of things. I remember one time we, we had a, uh, Brother Lee came to our group meeting. Um, this was at Albert Lim's place. He, I was in the same group as Albert Lim. Anyway, we, we had a love feast and we were all eating together. And Sister Lee got the plate for Brother Lee, the, or whatever and brought it to him and, and I was sitting opposite him and he looked at me and he looked at, looked at my plate and he goes restrictions and I remember even sometimes he didn't like the restriction of Sister Lee you know um, uh, I think the, the brothers I think they, they took him out to the lunch or maybe it was in the training center we were having hamburgers and and uh, anyway Someone wanted to give Brother Lee some other food, and he saw it. He I said, heard "We heard it. I want a hamburger." You know? <laughs> so, so uh, anyway, um, you know, it's interesting. You know, I mentioned about this you know, hot vacation we went with Brother Lee, but you know, Brother Lee actually it's kind of interesting. Andrew took him up there, but that was the time when Brother Lee was working on Watchman Nee's um, biography. And so Andrew, you know, basically, you know, they were they were up in the mountains, and you know, probably did go outside and you know, walk around a little bit. 
and I think we may have taken him somewhere once or something as well. But, but you know, basically, um, you know, he was just sitting there, and Andrew was reading him to, to him, you know, for, and then he would you know make comments and you know, change stuff and stuff like that. So that was his, his vacation. There. Should we keep Brother Roger five minutes wait? No, it's okay. <laughs> While some, if you want more soup, you can go and get. Um, if you want more soup, you can go and. Otherwise. <laughs> Father Roger, would you like more refill? refill sure, or? Good. Yeah, maybe. maybe yeah. Can you bring one, one bowl of soup bowl? Basically, if he had a doctor's appointment or something like that, you know, or if there's some kind of health issue that he would, you know, they would come and you know take care of him in that way. Whereas Julie was more like a, you know, especially when brother got sick, they had nurses there around the clock, mm. and so she was one of the ones. But she she served them initially. She got to serve brother and sisterly related to um, just practical things around the home. You know, she'd take sisterly out to go shopping or you know, mm. drive me food. She had a doctor's appointment or something like that, you know, need to go somewhere. Um, oh. And she'd do things, you know, Cicely taught her how to cook. <laughs> cook Chinese food and cook, oh. cook, cook food. So I'm, I'm enjoying the, the benefit of that, you know. I get the, the same dishes that Brother Lee got, you know. <laughs> so, the healthy, healthy food, so. And then sometimes my wife says something to me. And I realized, I wonder if that's Brother Lee. You know, <laughs> you know he perfected her and now she's perfected him. <laughs> you have any more bread? Lots no, of bread? No more bread for me, I'm just trying no to eat. No, no, no. Yeah, no, I didn't need any more bread. Okay. At the moment, I mean, you just don't have a term, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are 20 of us, uh, about um, about five or five to seven, not not sure. Maybe five likely to serve. About five or seven, they are most likely to study because some of our Korean trainees, they haven't finished their university. 
mm. they're just halfway, so they have to go back. And the rest, no answer. Mm. So it's like one third, not sure, one third maybe serving full time, one third study. Okay. Mm. Oh. Mm. So, mm. how many of you are um, from Korea? It's to study. One, two, three. Some of the brothers. Four. So you you'd go back to school in 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 Korea or here? Korea. Thank you. Would you study English? Well, I I know some some of the, particularly from like maybe Korea. Like to come to New Zealand so you can learn more English, right? Yeah. And training. And I, I've heard stories that sometimes in the situation, maybe either the father or the mother's not in the church life, and they don't want their son or daughter to go go to the training. Oh. But then, because yeah, <laughs> they they don't mind you going to New Zealand, right? Because you're going to <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord for that, you know, <laughs> opportunity for more blending. And, it's good that you can uh, learn some English. So, should, they, should they continue their study in Europe? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it, it's somewhat... Um, it depends. I mean, what, however the Lord you know, opens up the situation. Um, I mean, it's, it's good that... Um, actually, you know, the Lord sovereignly... It's kind of interesting, even in Europe... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, maybe not so much Koreans, but maybe there are some, but there's a lot from China. Mm-hmm. So some of the churches yeah. in, in Europe, they're almost all Chinese. Chinese. <laughs> 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 I, I met a sister the other day who's, who's burdened to go to Egypt. Oh. Chinese-speaking sister. <laughs> but she said she wants to go to Egypt to contact the Chinese-speaking peop- people <laughs> in Egypt. <laughs> oh, <I don't> <laughs> So, I mean, Chinese-speaking people everywhere, you know. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, in one sense, the Koreans may also have a way, particularly in the Middle East, you know, somewhat under the radar, you know. Someone like me, I look like a crusader, you know. <laughs> to me, to go to the Middle East, it's like, you know, <laughs> not so, not so easy, but, you know, for some from, you know, China or, you know, Korea or stuff like that, it's, it's a lot easier, maybe, or easier, you, you know. So suspicious. Um, so what, what you're there for? You know. So. Well, at the, at the moment, of course, if, if these governments change and things like that, I mean, some of these Muslims will never be happy mm. with the preaching of the gospel, and they may do all sorts of things, you know, to try and prevent it, but. Um, I mean, at the moment, I mean, these, these governments may change to have enough freedom where the saints can openly practice the church life. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, of course, the, you know, the freedom that some of these countries like Egypt, you know, the Muslim Brotherhood, they've been persecuted as well, suppressed, you know, the, the extreme Muslim groups. And so they're trying to take advantage of this freedom to put forward their kind of agenda. In Egypt, you know, because Egypt basically was a secular government. You know, I mean, they Hosni Mubarak. I guess he's a Muslim, but, you know. But then they had certain laws that were, you know, privileged the Muslims. But 
Mm. Uh, so now, but but it was a very quite an oppressive regime, you know, kind of a police state or whatever, you know, a dictatorial regime in Egypt. So there were so there wasn't that much freedom. But you know, some of these Muslims, young people, particularly young people, they they want to be given the opportunity to you know try other things. They want to just get out of the, sort of the straitjacket of Islam, you know. So. Um, so, you know, if enough of these young people say, look, we want to have religious freedom, we want to have freedom to be able to, you know, listen to the Christian gospel as well and, and be able to read the Bible and meet with Christians, we don't, you know, one, I heard this testimony, one uh, Muslim who, during this whole situation in Egypt, he said he went to his first Christian meeting and he said that he, he'd always wanted to do that, but hmm. before that time he just felt like the, there was too much you know, against doing that, but he, he went, you know, so, so even though some people are turning away from Christianity, the others are, you know, wanting to find out, you know, about it, so. So, but the other thing is, as far as the gospel is concerned, mm. if you can speak something in the, the language of the people where you are, rather than just expect them to speak English to you, you'll gain their heart a lot more. I, I remember I visited Holland, um, actually just before I went to the full-time training in Taiwan, I was only there for a couple of days, and I, I, I kind of like languages and you know, playing around with them and things like that. I thought, I'm only in Holland for a couple of days, I'm not going to forget about Dutch. And you know, even the Dutch say, we don't expect anybody to learn Dutch, so we just, you know, learn other languages, you know. Mm. So the Dutch are pretty, you know, competent at, you know, speaking English or French or German or something like that. So anyway, I was trying to talk to people on the train and stuff like that, and just, you know, there was nothing, nothing was going through. So I thought, oh, I, I, went, I went past this newsstand and I saw this, you know, Dutch for beginners or Berlitz going to Dutch and I thought, ah, let's grab it, you know, <laughs> get by it. So I got it and I, I learned to say a few things like, Alsoblieft, you know, which means if you, you know, please, or, you know, <laughs> I can't remember how to say thank you, you know, a few things and, you know, I just learned a couple of expressions and, you know, practiced them on some of these people on the trains or wherever I, I was and it's just like mm. much more openness, you know, mm. and so... So, I mean, you know, we, we should do our best and endeavor to enter into something of the language. You know, we'll, I mean, in one sense, for, for people our age, it's too late to become a native speaker in the language, you know. But our floppy disk or whatever has been written on already for, you know, Brother Lee spoke English a lot more than I, I, I've done, well, now I'm getting up there, but anyway, you know. Um, but he had an accent, yeah, because his you know, language capacity being written on by Chinese, and so, and so, you know, basically until, I think they, they say once you pass puberty, then, then your native um, language ability to pick up a language as a native speaker is gone, and you're always going to have some kind of telltale accent that, you know, some of the saints who've migrated to Russia and stuff like that, their kids are fluent, you know, <laughs> they pick up the language, they, they speak it without an accent, 
but you know the, the serving ones who go there, you know, they're always stumbling around, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to make themselves. But the other thing is, when you're learning a language, and this is what I practice in Taiwan, you just have to be like a kid. Forget about the face, you know, just practice, you know, speaking. I had this little book, I'd write these little notes, I'd say, what's this, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I'd just write, and I, I'd say, everybody's my Chinese teacher. <laughs> You know, just ask, you know, get, you know, <laughs> use my Chinese. <laughs> anyway, so, so, I mean, that's just a, if you ever find yourself in a, you know, another country, like, that doesn't speak English as a first language. So, what's another? No, you, you ask the question, I can uh, eat and talk at the same time. No. Studying, I was serving at the same time. So I was studying and serving. That's why it took 11 years, you know. <laughs> so I've, I've, spent, I've just about, I think I've spent more time in school. Than, I must have, yeah, I've spent more time in school than out of school in my life, you know. <laughs> I spent seven years in New Zealand at university, and then 11 years in the United States, 18 years, and then, of course, then primary school and secondary school, yeah, that and factors. <laughs> Quite a few years in school. My, my nephew once, when he was, they came and visited us, and, and he looked at me and said, Brother, I mean, he said, Uncle Roger, are you, are you still in school? Like, well, I was like you. In 1989, I'd been in Taiwan for two years. What am I going to do? Actually, they, what, what happened was, and, um, I think after I'd been there about a year, they basically said everybody from overseas needed to go back, mm. particularly from New Zealand, um, um, <clears throat> had to go back to their sending country. And I just kind of managed to sneak under the... <laughs> right. Actually, I was, I was helping out with the training. I was teaching Greek in the training at that time. Mm. Um, and so, so I... And, and during the break time, actually, I, I ended up, I was teaching Hebrew um, to some of the trainees and things like that. So, so I was kind of doing things in Taiwan, and, and then all the New Zealanders went back, or most of the New Zealanders went back to New Zealand, and, and I was still there. So, <laughs> anyway, so I, but basically, they said, what, if we wanted to stay, we should um, you know, self-support. So this, the second year I was there, you know, all of the overseas saints there were basically self-supported. So we got a job teaching English. And, I had a disadvantage because they wanted, you know, standard American English, and so, so, yeah. <laughs> so I, some brothers kind of took pity on me, and they they, they said, "Oh, we don't mind if you use New Zealand English," you know. <laughs> but eventually, I got a job with the geology department at the uh, Taiwan National University, oh. basically um, copy editing. That you know, they had the graduate students writing 
articles oh. for publication in, in you know English journals, and they you know they wrote English, so so it just need you know tweaking. So so I just basically tweak, tweaked it, and and I knew about you know what they were talking about, having done geology mm. before I got into Greek. So, mm. but then I, two years came up, and I really didn't have the strong feeling to go back to New Zealand, mm. and. I remember praying once, um, you know, sometimes the Lord hears our prayers, sometimes He doesn't, anyway. <laughs> mm. I just had this realization, I said, Lord, you know, I was reading the book, book of Acts, and you've got Paul, and he was, you know, going around, and, and all the people with Paul, they were from all sorts of different places, you know, and, uh, you know, I can't remember, you know, some from, some were, you know, Asian Minor, some from Greece, some from, you know, Israel, and that, and I thought, Lord, may I be part of Paul's company, you know. <laughs> Another time I was in the, in the bathroom in Hall 1, in Ta Ta Church in Taipei, and I thought, e even if I could just be here just cleaning the restrooms, I'd be happy, you know. <laughs> and we may have some thought about, you know, I wonder, I, I'd like to serve, but if I could do this. You know. But I, I just, you know, I just had that kind of view, and then the Lord just kind of answered my prayer. And so anyway, one day, I was um, kind of coming towards the end of my, we, actually, basically every six months we had to leave Taiwan. Taiwan to renew our visa. So I had to leave Taipei and I, I wasn't sure whether I'd come back after that or, or what. But, and, you know, less and less overseas saints were there. Bowley started the training in Irving, Texas um, for the English speaking ones. So, anyway, I got this phone call and um, there was Ray McNee and Hudson Garrett, Benson Phillips and Kerry Robichaud on the line. <laughs> they wanted to talk to me. And they, they asked basically, you know, they had some fellowship um, together, that those brothers. From New Zealand had been there for the the, the training, mm -hmm. and um, uh, they asked you know if, how, how the brothers felt about me you know going to the United States to help serve with mainly with the training and the recovery version, mm -hmm. and uh, anyway Ray and Hudson felt good about it and and uh, you know so they asked me how I felt and I said no oh, yeah feel good about it <laughs> and so so anyway I went to the United States um, on a tourist visa. Uh, actually, I got a, a one-year visa, which is kind of unusual. Usually, give you six months. So I got a one-year visa, um, and then at the end of that one year, um, I had to leave and come to New Zealand. But just before, um, I mean, this kind of relates to the last question. <laughs> anyway, just before that, um, uh, well, actually, my wife she's from New Zealand, and we we had some kind of uh, understanding or whatever. We had some contact with each other before we left New Zealand to go to the training. And we had some kind of interest in each other, but actually Ray had shared with us, um, I'd gone to him and said, you know, I have some feeling about, you know, Julie, Julie Rowland, she was there, you know, Peter's um, uh, sister. And um, anyway, he, he shared with me, he said, uh, don't trade off the immediate need for the future. And he shared his own experience. Someone had shared this with him, you know, you, I was just in my early 20s or something like that. And, uh, he said, you know, you may have the feeling or desire to, to get married, but, um, you know, you have to consider your, your future humanly and spiritually, you know. And, and so, he, he said, and then he shared his experience. He said, you know, someone shared this with him and he was interested in Sister Pauline, and he said he didn't take the advice he got married. <laughs> but he kind of, you know, felt that, you know, that did, had, had some uh, effect on his service, you know. As far as, I mean, on one hand, you get married and it, it enhances your service, but maybe his, you know, his, development. He was quite young when he got married. And, you know. Anyway, so I, we took that fellowship and, um, and I was still you know, a student studying Greek. And then, uh, you know, Julie, um, she was 
wanting to get married. She was, you know, she's the same age as me, so she was, you know, it's just, just, you know, be more conscious of age and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> marriage and things. Anyway, so she she was wanting to get married, and uh, so anyway, um, she, you know, we we had another time together, um, and just kind of talked about it. And I said, well, I really, you know, would like to finish my um, studies before we, you know, get together. And I was in my last year, you know, studying Greek, and she kind of thought. Blow you," <laughs> she said, and so she came to the United States for a training, and then um, that was the time. That was the time when they they had a call for the um, for the full time training in Taipei, and you know taking a number. And so she took a number, and Peter was there. Peter was um, her and Peter and a couple of others, I think, from New Zealand. Anyway, so they both took numbers, and then they came back to New Zealand, and then they. You know, went off to Taiwan in the um, by August of 1986. They were in Taiwan, so I was still finishing my studies then. Anyway, so then, then I told you about my experience of uncertainty and you know should I go to Taiwan or go to Australia or whatever. And then, then eventually the Lord just kind of shepherded me through that, and so I ended up in Taiwan. And anyway, one time we were, uh, I met Julie on the roof. Uh, we were doing our laundry, you know, <laughs> and we had some fellowship. And we realized, you know, we're in the training. We just need to, you know, forget about. You know, getting involved with each other and just, you know, um, give ourselves to the training. Anyway, so we we were actually we only overlapped for one term, and then she, um, you know, the call was for the uh, saints to you know go back to, you know, their sending country. You know, she didn't want to go back to New Zealand, <laughs> and so she prayed a prayer. She said, "Lord, if you don't want me to go back to New Zealand, may Jake Jacobson ask me to go to the high schoolers." Conference in the United States. Very specific prayer. Anyway, she's in the kitchen doing a kitchen service, and uh, she hears this what Jake Jacobson calling out, "Is Julie Rollins in there?" Julie Rollins. <laughs> so she goes, and then Jake Jacobson comes up and I said, "Could you? Would you? you know, have to go to the <laughs> serve with the high schoolers in, in, in the United States?" So she went across, and Peter. Also, they, they both of them went to the United States to serve in the high schoolers conference in uh, in Irvine, Texas, and then and then she, you know, ended up uh, she was on so she's on a tourist visa for six months. So she was and she started to serve in the Living Stream office in Anaheim. And at that stage, um, anyway, uh, then she she wanted to you know stay on if she could, and so she was considering, well, how can I stay on? You know, I can't stay here forever as a tourist. You know, you've seen Disneyland, you've seen Grand Canyon. You know, what, what else do you want to? <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, so she considered, and she's a nurse, so she thought, well, maybe I can stay as an on as a nurse. You know, go back to uh, or you know. Apply, you know, find basically you had to find a hospital that would support you and sponsor you, and then you. Um, and so she, you know, got her resume all together and you know sent out her resume to various um, hospitals, and one came back and said, "Yeah, we'd like to sponsor you," and so she could get a work permit, and then uh, I think she also got a lawyer to kind of you know show her how to do do everything, and then she had to take what they call the California State Boards exam, so that she could practice as a nurse in California. So she did that. And and then uh, what happened was um, so I I come to the United States, but I she was in Anaheim, and I came to the United States, but I was in Irving, and I thought you know maybe we'd see each other. Anyway, we didn't. 
uh, initially. So I was in, in Irving, Texas, serving there. And then what happened was Brotherly, there was a whole, you know, the storm was going on in, in Anaheim and uh, with, you know, John Ingalls and these other brothers. Um, and so Brotherly really didn't have much freedom to do much in, in Anaheim. And so he, mm. um, anyway, that's why he had the training in Irving. Um, but then eventually the whole situation got cleared up. John Ingalls and the other brothers resigned. Um, and so the, it's like the, you know, Brotherly was sharing from Leviticus about taking out the leprous stones. And really that's what happened in the church in Anaheim. The, the old leprous stones were taken away and new stones were brought in. And so, you know, ones like myself and others came from, from Texas to help with the training. And, and then eventually a number of, you know, Ron Kangas, Ed Marks, Kerry Robichaud, all of these brothers um, were... You know, came came to Anaheim to you know carry on their service in the living stream. So, so anyway, um, so I ended up going going to Anaheim, and then I don't know if I should share this, but anyway, it's kind of an interesting experience. Um, uh, anyway, um, so I was in Anaheim, and I I, I saw Julie a few times. Um, we talk a little bit, but I didn't say anything about... Actually, what happened when she, she came to Taiwan with Brother Lee, that's what happened. She came to Taiwan with Brother Lee, and the Lord kind of stirred me up to, to maybe make some contact with her, and I just had some feeling that maybe you know, we need to get together. And so, anyway, I wrote a... Um, I, I tried to... That's right. I wasn't sure exactly where she... Brother Lee was going to, to Korea, and, and I wasn't sure if Julie was going with them or not, but you know, she, it turned out she did. Anyway, I had some feeling to make some communication with her. She, you know, she, she's staying in Hall 1. I was in place somewhere else. And, and Anyway, I talked to Andrew Yu about it. He said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to her. So he goes and talk, talks to Julie and says, you know, there's a brother who's interested in you. And, and, uh, and Julie said, I know who it is and tell him I'm not interested. <laughs> so Andrew comes back and tells me. Right, so I thought, well, I probably need to give her a little bit of an explanation. <laughs> so, so I wrote this little note and, and I kind of explained, you know, I felt like the Lord was, you know, you know kind of operating within me. <laughs> anyway, so, so I wrote this letter and, you know, gave it to her, or, you know, she got it somehow. And apparently what she did, she ripped it up. You know? oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so... Eighty-eight it would have been. She came back to Taiwan with Brother Lee for just for a short period of time. Thank you. So, so she went to America to serve the high school stream, and then she came back. Yeah, but she no, she well, that, the high school stream was just short. And then she carried on serving in the living stream, and then and then Philip Lee, Brother Lee's son, he he kind of you know felt like they needed some help, and you know he he thought that it'd be good for her. You know, she's a nurse, and she could you know take care of. He felt like. You know, she'd be able to take care of them, you know, take care of their needs, and so he asked her if she could be willing to serve, and then, you know, how was she going to stay? She had to, you know, do the nursing. So, so anyway, um, what happened was, so I, I arrived, you know, that was basically the last word I got from her, so I really, you know, I, f I felt like the Lord was wanting to get us together, but, you know, at that stage I thought, well, you know, okay, we'll just let, you know, let things be, and so anyway, she heard this rumor that, um, this was about six months later that um, uh, I was interested in a sister from Texas. Anyway, she, this is, and, this, and it was her um, roommate who told her this. Anyway, so her roommate tells her this. <laughs> and then, then what happens is she bursts into tears. And her, her roommate goes, What's, what? what, 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 what why are you crying about your brother? 
No, anyway, she was concerned, so Ray McNee happened to be there. And so, so she goes up to, to Brother Ray and she says, she says, you know, um, told, told him what happened, he said, oh, I know what's going on. You know. <laughs> and so Ray, Ray gets us, he says, like, like, let, let me get them together. Actually, what happened, I think um, Ray took me out for breakfast first and just to find out what, what was going on as far as I was concerned. I, I explained him the whole situation, you know, the... I felt like maybe the Lord was going to get us together, but Julie said, you know, <laughs> she's not interested in so so really I hadn't, you know, really pursued anything with her and I was just kind of in one sense I was I guess I was asleep still, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, and I said, you know, there's no there's no no basis. I was kind of annoyed at her her roommate, you know, for spreading these rumors. There wasn't a sister in Texas that I was interested in, you know, I mean, as far as I was concerned, anyway. Um so so anyway, um so he said, it, you know, he, so he got us together and, you know, we, we were kind of talking about this and that and then Julie said, oh, it's time to go. And he said, Ray said, oh, we haven't got any business yet. <laughs> and so, anyway, um, so, so, you know, Ray kind of said, basically, you know, he, he, his feeling was that we, you know, basically put our feelings in cold storage, you know. And, uh, and anyway, he, he kind of, you know, said, well, you know, maybe you should consider, you know, getting together. And so, so anyway, um, I think actually that kind of, my time was running out, so I realised I haven't got much time. You know, I've got to, I'm going to leave the country pretty soon. So, so anyway, I I, uh, I proposed to her that night. Oh. <laughs> 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 she said, she said, she said, well, let me consider it. She said, um, so anyway, so she said, I'm going to, I've been working the next couple of days, and then let's get together, you know, um, and let's have, you know. A meal together and we'll fellowship some more. So anyway, so um, anyway, I guess Andrew, you somehow found out about it. He sees, he sees, he saw me that morning. I used to go and open up the meeting hall, and so he saw me. I was, I was kind of smiling or whatever. And he said, uh, anyway, he sees Julie. And he says, Oh, Julie, it's really good. I hear about you and you and Roger you know, getting together. Uh, it's really good. You know, he, he looked so happy you know, this morning when I saw him. And she said, Oh no, 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 I'm not going to get together. She said, I'm, I, you know, I really, I just want to serve the Lord. You know. My whole life, I don't, you know, I don't want to get married. I don't, I don't want to be entangled. And he said, oh, he said, no, no, getting married doesn't doesn't change your service. You can still serve. He said, when you have kids, it's different, you know. But uh, you know, it just changed your roommate. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, so anyway, Julie, kind of, you know, Julie, she had these strong concepts about, you know. What, how she should, you know, be and things like that. And so, and actually, he said, you know, brother and sister Lee are really concerned for you. They really don't want your serving them to, you know, stop you from getting married. And so, so anyway, um, so we got together, and uh, I popped the question again, and she said yes. <laughs> and so anyway, we, we got engaged, and then I left the country. I had to come to New Zealand <coughs> to renew my visa. So I came to New Zealand, and that that was funny because I. I, I her parents kind of knew something was on, but my parents didn't know anything. I, was, I kind of didn't want to tell them. I said, I got to New Zealand, I visited my parents, and I told them, sit down, I've got something to say to you. And then I told them, you know, I'm engaged. You know. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise them. Um, anyway, um, so what, what happened was I, I go back to the United States, but there's a few things against me going to the United States. One is I was coming in again on a tourist visa. I've already been there over a year. <laughs> And I didn't. I had a one-way ticket, and I didn't have very much money, and so it was really a miracle, you know, <laughs> going in. So anyway, I'm, I'm, at that stage, the flights, a lot of flights would go through Honolulu. So 
I show up at the airport in Honolulu at 5 o'clock in the morning. There's no one around. Oh, geez, they're going to give me the third degree, you know, ask all these difficult questions and things going through. You know, American immigration is notorious for, you know, kind of working on you. So, anyway, so I'm just about, there's a short line I'm just about to go through. And then this plane comes in from Japan and all these Japanese so anyway, so yeah, the Lord, and that was the Lord Sovereignty, you know, just me to So so I get so so basically what happened was we got married um, that I think in April of that year, and um, anyway. To kind of finish the story, and this may help, help you a little bit as well. You know, so Julie got the word from Andrew, if you get married, it doesn't change the service, it just changes your roommate. But if you have kids, then that's a different matter. You know? So she decided, we're not going to have any kids. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she's, she's, she's sitting with, with, she's with brother and sister, uh, brother, she's, she's with sister Lee, and, and brother, you know, she went with sister and brother and sister Lee to, take Brother Lee to a doctor's appointment. So Brother Lee's in with the doctor. Sister Lee and her are sitting in the waiting room. Mm. And they're sitting next to each other. And Sister Lee goes, where's the babies? <laughs> <laughs> and Julie goes, oh, no, 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 no. She said, no, no um, that, you know, that impacts your service. You know, I, I don't want to have, have any children. She said, she said, you need four children. <laughs> she, said, she said, you're too whole. You're all, always on time. You're, she said, you need Whoa. four children to mess up everything. <laughs> Just to, to break you, you know, basically. And so, so anyway, um, so, so Julie comes home. We're going to have some, some kids now. <laughs> no, so, so anyway, I mean, I, I was, I really wasn't that, I mean, I was, I was, Somewhat ambivalent about you know whether to have kids. And I thought we you know eventually we needed to have kids, but um, not four kids. Sorry. Four kids? Well, that's what Sister Lee said. So we needed, we needed four kids. Okay. So so anyway, another time, Julie's in the waiting room with Sister Lee again. You know, one of that Bradley's doctor appointments. And where's the fourth one? You know. <laughs> <laughs> And she, so, so this is what, this is what uh, I got this from Carrie, but anyway, this is what Julie said. She said, well, she said, Roger's got three kids, but I've got four. So that's how we got four kids. <laughs> So anyway, in one sense, um, you know, having children, I mean, it did, it, it, it's true, Andrew was right, it did change her service, but, so basically, you could say, you know, now, and actually, you know, when, when we got married, um, that was, that enabled me to, to, uh, you know, stay in the United States, because, you know, I, without that, I, I doubt if I would be, it would have been hard to get a, um, or maybe I could have got a religious worker visa or something like that, but, you know, they weren't looking for, Hebrew scholars or you know, Greek scholars or something like that. So anyway, through, through getting married to Julie, I got on her application for a green card and then eventually we got citizenship. So uh, we can kind of come and go freely. So, um, 
So anyway, that's kind of the history of how I <laughs> got to got to uh, stay in the United States and also how I, how I got married. So, so, so <clears throat> yeah. So, and then real, you know, realize that on the one hand we perfect our kids, but on the other hand they perfect us too. You know, <laughs> the, the growing up. And actually, what, you know, this is another thing. Maybe I can share this too. I appreciate the the brothers in Anaheim, their kind of view concerning children and children's meetings and things like that. You know, basically, I kind of avoided children's meetings. I had a bad experience when I was in New Zealand, taking care of the, the young people. All of the young people I took care of, either uh, one of them ended up in prison, another one got arrested. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's coming to us, like, but maybe, maybe this is what I shouldn't do. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyway, this goes kind of tough. Um, I, I was, you know, I was trying to make, probably be a full-time student as well as you know take care of the young people. And I just just didn't have the capacity. It was, you know, anyway, you know, eventually what happened was, um, um, you know, uh, you know, kids started to come through children's meeting, and, and the, the fellowship at that stage was, you know, if you have children, you're responsible. You need to take care of your kids. You need to serve and and serve as a couple, you know, husbands and wives, and you know, and eventually my my son, you know, he serves with us. So we serve basically as a family. And so it was very, it's been very precious, you know. I realize you, you only have a limited amount of time with your kids, you know, before they grow up and they, or they don't want to have anything to do with mum and dad. And so once my son got saved, I, you know, and actually I, I led my son to, to receive the Lord. It was, it was very precious, you know, the, the, the saints, you know, they kind of encouraged the parents to be as much involved as, as possible with mm -hmm. the young people and children. So. And, and so then, you know, they said, basically, you have to serve. You and Julie have to serve. And, you know, I got out of it before because I served with the training. I thought, you know, one of the brothers said, well, yeah, you serve with the training. It's okay, you don't have to serve with, with the kids, you know, <laughs> the young people and things. But, so anyway, I've basically gone through a children's meeting with my, my kids. And my, yeah, some of them, one of them still in children's meeting. And then I serve with the, the young people, with my son. Yeah, it's very sweet. We have a good kind of relationship together. And you know, my son might be a bit embarrassed but sometimes, you know, when, when he brings his friends over and I want to play cricket in the backyard, you know, it's like, Dad, this is America, you know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I think the other American boys, they, they don't mind, but he's a bit embarrassed. <laughs> so, anyway, um, and, and, and actually, you know, you get to know your kids peers as well in the church life and you know maybe you might have a, a more of a way to minister to them than maybe with your own kids and so and you, you know you coordinate fellowship with the, the parents and you know, really to have you know the, the, the trainees or even the full-time serving ones is the primary ones responsible for the young people is, is somewhat artificial because you, you, you only see the young people you know once twice maybe three times a week um, you really don't know what's going on in the home environment, the school environment, whereas the parents are much more cognizant or you know, aware of what's going on. And so, you know, just to kind of drop your kids off and say, bye Johnny, you know, have a nice time, without actually ha having that kind of involvement, you, you, you miss out on that opportunity to be with your kids. And, and it's not so good for the kids either. You know, they, even though they might be embarrassed and, oh, Dad, you have to come to the meetings, you know, um, Actually, my son's been pretty good. He hasn't really said that. My, my daughter, who's just started to come to um, the junior high meeting, she's, she's pretty vocal about that kind of thing <laughs> right from the beginning. So, you know, she doesn't. But anyway, 
I think just the fact that you're there in the meeting, you know, it just does something. They, you know, they're not so wild. You know, they're kind of somewhat more subdued um, in the meeting, and, and you know, I, th you know, I think deep down they feel kind of comforted or cherished that you're wanting to be there with them and be there for them. Um, so. So that's the second question. <laughs> <laughs> Eleven more. <laughs> I mean, I kind of, another, do you have another? I don't know, what time do you have to, to stop? That just one o'clock. Right? Mm. I, I can stay here for a while. But, um, I haven't finished my soup. But <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything particular? Yeah. I know some of you are concerned about you know, serving full time and some of the keys or the secrets. So there's a there's a push for Europe. Right? It's been quite a push for a while for Europe mm -hmm. for migration there and the Middle East, and, um, particularly. So well, how does the Pacific fit in this? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went brotherly visited New Zealand in 1971. He looked at the situation in New Zealand and his, his consideration was that, you know, he, he traveled around the country and, you know, you drive through some of these little hick towns in New Zealand, mm. you see there's a, a, a petrol station, a dairy, a pub, and a brethren meeting hall. You know, and, uh, at least, you know, um, a number of places are like this. And, and so he, he saw, wow, the brethren were really quite prevailing in New Zealand in the you know, early end of the 1890s, 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 1900s, that kind of time. So he kind of felt like the Lord's recovery could do the same in New Zealand. And, and so there is a need for, you know, just in New Zealand, just to, to uh, we need to gospelize New Zealand. We need to, you know, all of these matter matter, you know, Cambridge, these, these little towns, you know, um, around New Zealand, even some of the larger cities, you know, that still haven't. Mm. Wanganui is not a church, right? Gisborne's got a little church, but um, Napier, I don't know, some of these, um, Nelson, you know, we've got a church in Richmond, but what about Nelson, you know, so these kind of things, of course, maybe, anyway, so, so there's um, Amaru, Timaru, Ashburton, Westport, Greymouth, you know, these places that, that you know, maybe there's some churches, testimony, but, you know, or scattered saints, but, you know, there's a need for, but really it won't take that long to gospelize New Zealand. Um, the population is, you know, pretty small, four, and a four point something million, right? Mm. So I, I believe that New Zealand's function in the Lord's move is is beyond New Zealand, but we don't want to weaken the situation in New Zealand. Like in one sense, when we all went to Taiwan, it was kind of a, a little bit of a weakening of the situation in New Zealand. You know, basically, the, all of the available kind of young people and some of the, you know, mm. um, co, um, co workers and stuff like that left New Zealand to, to go to Taiwan. Was a little bit of, of yeah. So, in one sense, it was it was good that we we got a, a bigger view than just New Zealand from as a result of that. But um, so anyway, you know, we need we do need to pray that you know the situation in New Zealand would be such that that we could have this kind of uh, coordinated um, fellowship and and propagation in New Zealand to to uh, you know the one accord would be here for us to. You know, have the Lord's blessing, and it would be a move of the body, not just a local 
matter. Um, to justify, say, three families moving, that's quite, quite a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, in the United States, you know, you've got 10 cities that uh, there's a burden for. Mm -hmm. sure. But you're having groups of saints, more than one a group going to those cities. I mean, my human concept is, yeah, that's justified. They're big enough um, for it to justify such a move of a group of saints. All these little townships in New Zealand, I mean, there's not that many people. <laughs> it's a pretty sparse population. Well, you know, part of what we need, part of the, the picture for New Zealand is, and you know, we, we dropped the ball for a number of years. You know, when I first came into the church line, came off the campus, and there was quite a prevailing work at, at Auckland University as far as, you know, a number of Peter Rollins came in, and, you know, a number of, uh, you know, I mean, even before that, Alex and, you know, Wesley Garrett and ones like that came into the church line. Well, actually, Wesley's, his whole family, but um, Alex and, anyway, so part of, you know, we, we do need to keep the, the campus works going. Um, we need to have, you know, gain the young people of New Zealand because these are the ones who can, mm. you know, move more freely, go to some of these places. Of course, so at least, um, of course, um, I mean, even, you know, now I think the universities in New Zealand are much, you know, when I was here, there were, you know, it was basically just a handful of universities. Now, you know, they've, they've made these other schools into universities, so they're, they're smaller, but, and, and you know, more. Young people from New Zealand are going to these, you know, tertiary education facilities because of the economy and things like that. So, so these are the fishing ponds that we need to, you know, labour on. But on the other hand, there also is the need for the older saints to, you know, for the migration. You know, so so basically the thought, like Europe or anywhere, you know, you may have three families plus some, some young people going to these these cities and just establishing the church like that. Um, but the pool of of you know, labouring ones. You know, initially, should, we shouldn't just look at our own. We need to raise up, you know, the young people to, to you know the training is part of the, the, this picture too. You know, so um, for you know for the the impact. Um, so, but then also I th I think you know if things get go going in New Zealand. Then there's also New Zealand becomes a pool for resources to Europe. And it's easier to get New Zealanders to go to Europe than it is Americans. You know, they like their Baskin and Robbins and McDonald's and whatever. You know, <laughs> the comfort, the comforts of America. You know, it's it's kind of like a the standard of living goes down for an American going to Europe, but whereas probably for New Zealanders it goes up, right? And so it's easier for New Zealand. You know, there's so many expatriate New Zealanders in in, in London, say for example, my my high school is very small high school. We had a, a reunion, a 21st anniversary reunion, um, and there were so many people from my high school in London that they had a reunion in London for my high school. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, but this is part of what we do. You know, we leave, you know, high school or whatever, and college, and we, we go on our big OE, you know, and end up often in these places. So, so there is this, this um, New Zealand is strategic for this this sense. For, for the Lord's move to Europe, and you know, like I said, we have relatives or whatever. There's a way we can stay there, you know. Whereas some of these Americans, they migrated from Europe 
you know, back in the 1700s and stuff like that, you know, and, and that was bad old Europe. They wanted to get out of it, you know, religious persecution and all this kind of stuff. And so they didn't have such a strong feeling about, you know, going back to Europe, bad old Europe. It's kind of maybe in the subconscious psyche of the Americans, you know. So it's, it's not, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of resources in America, but you've got to get them out of there, you know, and it's not so, so easy. But also, that's the burden with the campus, with Boston, you know. Um, the, having the, the extension of the training in Boston to labor on those campuses and in that area to get manpower for, for Europe. Serving full-time? You want to talk about serving full-time? How many of you think you might serve full-time? <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to... Um, I mean, or even have some consideration. I, I mean, I, I... I mean, in one sense, when you get saved often, that's the kind of the sensation. I just want to give myself to the Lord mm -hmm. so full time. You know, Brother Lee has this, I think it's in one of the readings for class, but his thought was, I'm happy just to eat roots and drink from the mountain streams, you know, <laughs> just to follow the Lord and just to be able to serve the Lord full time, you know, when he gave up his, his job. And uh, I mean, that was the sense I had when I was um, considering, you know, even, even when I, I got saved, you know, I wanted to you realize human life is just vanity. You know, you give yourself... My, my, actually, my, the time when I was going full-time, my father was made redundant. You know, he served faithfully with this company, the company that basically brought him out from England. He'd been there for many years, and then about maybe five years off retirement, they just said, sorry, got no more work for you, you know. So not that easy for him to get another job. And that, about, right about that time, I was thinking about going full-time. So, you know, I had some good fellowship with my dad. And he, he, he's a believer, he loves the Lord. And I said, you know, you've given yourself faithfully to this company, you know, and you've done the, your best job. And they just turn around and say, look, here's your watch, off you go. <laughs> Time to go. And I said, you know, really, whether we work or we don't work, we just need to realize everything comes from the Lord. You know, even our ability to work, to support our family or whatever, that's from the Lord. You know, so really it's a matter of trusting whether we're, whether we're a money-making full-timer or a, a drug drop dropping full time, we still we all we can all exercise. We're all full timers, you know. We live our lives to the Lord. You know, the Lord may put you in a job situation, even though even though you may have some feeling to go full time, but you go in fellowship with the brothers or whatever, and they don't feel that good about you serving full time. But you just have in your heart, you, you Lord, I'd like to serve you full time. Um, but you know, you may be in a, a job situation, or you're you know. You're encouraged to go back to school, or you, know, you feel like you need to get more education or something. The Lord, and as I said, is there life after the training? Is there training after the training? Yes, there's training after the training. So the Lord will use all situations and circumstances to train us. You know, just we think I'm finishing the training. You know, praise the Lord, I'm getting out of here. You know? But actually, 
the Lord will put you into another environment to train you, to perfect you. And, you know, the brothers can only do so much. You get with a, there's a, maybe a boss, the Lord has a particular boss that just knows exactly how to, you know, <laughs> deal with a certain aspect of your personality or whatever. Um, or, you know, a professor or something like that, you know. I, I have a hard time writing, but that's one of the things I have to do, you know. But the, the professors, the Lord has these professors, you know, working on me. <laughs> to uh, Even I, the other um, month or two back, I, had to, I was writing a paper for a publication and some of the, my paper came back and with, with comments and you know, about having to adjust it and, and the people who were the editors for the, the, the journal that, or the, the, the book that it's going into, they said exactly the same comments about my writing that Brother John Pester does when I write articles for ANC. So I thought, hmm, the testimony of two. <laughs> <laughs> So John's right after all, you know, <laughs> this kind of thing. So, you know, I really need to, you know, Lord help me in this area, you know, to get through. So, so, um, so anyway, you know, the Lord wants to use all of these different ways to perfect us. So just, just, when you, just because you, you leave the training and you're, you're not serving full time doesn't mean to say that you're out of the training and the Lord, you know, wants to perfect you. Um, of course, serving full time, um, you know, there's... There are some um, things that you need to kind of grapple with. Um, one of one of which is either uh, you may think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm serving the Lord full time. You know, um, uh, um, you may have certain expectation. I need to be you know taken care of in this way or that way. Uh, there's one situation I've been coordinating with uh, some saints and uh, related to the translation work and one of the sisters involved, she, her kind of expectation was you know, she graduated from the training that she would be supported full time to do some translation work. And you know, basically we, I fellowship with the brothers and they said, well, we really don't have the, the funds to, to, to do this kind of support. Anyway, she basically just withdrew from the, the translation work and, and I remember Felton with Kerry about it and he said, you know, if you really have a burden to do something, you're gonna do it whether you're supported or not. You know. So it really kind of is a, in one sense it's a test to us, you know, our heart. Are we are we really burdened to, or we just want we can't be bothered looking for a job we we serve full time, you know, is a kind of a, a, we, you know, the Lord doesn't want us just to serve full time just as a kind of a you know, the default, I, you know, I applied for all these jobs, I couldn't get a job, so I'm going to serve full time, you know, that's not, he, he wants, you know, he wants us to have a burden, you know, we, we realize this is the Lord, you know, the Lord is, is, is thrusting me out into the full time service, and, and so, so anyway, um, you know, this, this kind of reminded me again, you know, if, if I had support or not have support, would I still do the same thing, would I still be burdened to, you know, serve the Lord in some, some kind of capacity. So, um, And like I said, you know, we may think, well, I'm serving in this capacity um, and there's a need for something and you think, oh, I'm not going to do that. You know, this is, this, I, this is my, my function. You know, I'm a, uh, an editor in the living stream. You know, so forget about the restrooms, forget about, you know, this, this service or that service. But your brother's view was we need to diligently learn everything, you know, 
regardless. We need to be able to and willing to to serve in, in all kinds of capacities, whatever the need is. You know, sometimes we might need to pack books in the living stream or be involved in the inventory, something like that, or you know, other other things. So we shouldn't think that you know this is my kind of service. On the other hand, some of us um, are, we like to do everything but what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> this is my, my tendency somewhat, you know, and, and, and even Brotherly, he said, this is, a, this is for, for, I mean, actually, we haven't got too many of them. Maybe Steve and I are the only two sort of Kiwi, I mean, some of you are NBCs, right? <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand-born Chinese or whatever, <laughs> Koreans. Anyway, um, the New Zealand characteristic is, one, one hand is we get very busy. We like to be very busy doing this, doing that, you know, and I was ushering. And, and eventually, brotherly, brotherly said it's a mistake for, for Roger Good to be ushering. You know, I got fired from being an usher. <laughs> Your brothers, I still, I still haven't quite gone back into ushering. The brothers asked me the other day to serve an ushering, and I was, I was just about to do it. And, and Julie said, "What are you doing?" I said, oh, "I was asked to serve an ushering." She said, "Oh no." Eventually, <laughs> 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 I thought, oh, I don't think I'm quite ready yet. You know. <laughs> anyway, so. But you know, very I was very active in the meeting, you know, trying to take care of you know people, and you know, basically one of the principles in ushering is um, you you don't you want to be as least disruptive as possible to the meeting. You know, you want the, the saints basically in the Lord's table meeting. They're focusing on the Lord. They're focusing on enjoying the Lord. And so, if you're around, you know, putting the plates in front of people, and, and oh, you know, just kind of running around, <laughs> or sometimes you might be like this. <laughs> you try, try not to be you know, obvious, but you know, everyone's going, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, I got fired from Ashram. But you know, Bradley did touch this matter of our, our New Zealand disposition. That, you know, and part of it, you know, in one sense, we're the descendants of the pioneers. You know, the, the, the ones who were very active came to New Zealand. You know, from, from, from uh, the United Kingdom or wherever. And uh, so we, you know, do it ourselves kind of mentality. But on the other hand, is that the Lord? Or is that just our natural or national characteristic, you know, our kind of activity? Um, So you can take your time. <laughs> They're just taking them to, to be washed. We have until one thirty, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, sir. not so, it is, that you all face, <clears throat> is when you finish the training, how, how should you function, how should you operate, regardless of whether you're serving full-time, or you're working, or you're a student. You know, the train, in one sense, the training is like 
I mean, I still, you know, look very fondly at the time in Taiwan. You know, it was like heaven on earth. You know, it's like the highest, the highest time of you know in the church life. Um, you know, so many saints you get, you know, mm. blended, built up with you know, with so many. Mm. Um, and then you get out of the training, and it's like you don't have to make your bed, you don't have to read your Bible, you don't have to, you know, preach the gospel. There's so many, so many different things. You know, in the training, you basically, in one one sense, you know, we want to train you to follow the Lord within, follow your conscience, and but. You, know, you don't have to think too much about what to do. You know, the training schedule basically dictates. Mm. But what do you do? I mean, you get you get the opportunity. What you do on your day off, what you do during the break time. You know, these these kind of things. You have some some preparation for the the time when you leave the training. But you know, don't. Um, so so, you know, this is it's a kind of a real exercise. Or, um, uh, in one sense, it's a test. How how much what we what. But we kind of go to two extremes. Either we think we need to keep, you know, try and reproduce the training environment as much as possible. Our exercise in the training, everything. Um, we we may, may think we can continue that, but you know, we've got a job, we've got a, um, you know, different serving schedule, we've got, you know, studies to take care of, and there's no way we can continue with exactly the same exercise when we leave the training. So the tendency is either we're on, we're full on, or we, we think, oh, forget about it. You know, I won't make my bed anymore. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to go to the meetings or whatever. You know, we can go to that extreme. But so we really need to kind of seek the Lord and consider, you know, what, what, um, you know, what we, how we should, you know, what what we can continue from the training. Um, of course, part of the training is uh, is constitution. You get constituted. Um, you know, two years in the training is worth twenty years in the church life. You know, as far as you know, constitution. So you you get a solid dose of the truth that really takes the rest probably take the rest of your life to you know get into the experience of and you know enjoyment of. And so and and you know um, we don't expect you to have fully grasped everything that you've got in the training. You know, and sometimes it's just like whoa, overload. You know, <laughs> you've got so much. So you know, it takes some time. You know, your rest of your life wants to digest what you've picked up in the training as well. So, um, so, and and actually, it's interesting when you travel around the, the churches um, and you see the trainee graduates, you realize something has has transpired in their you know their their function, um, and even some of the ones who are you know so called dormant, you know, there's still something there. For, for the Lord, it's just a matter of you know they maybe they got discouraged or something like that, but just to you know mm. stir up again that that constitution, bring them up, you know, bring them into their function. And, and this is, I think, the brothers are, especially the you know the brothers taking the lead are realizing that we need to um, bring the trainee graduates more into you know a function um, of response, even bearing responsibility in the in the Lord's recovery. You know the. Co-workers aren't getting any younger, and so there needs to be another generation raised up to carry on to, to bear the responsibility in the in the church life. And you know, really, um, you know, you, you graduate from the train. Most of you, you know, graduating from the training, um, you enter the category what, what it's called working saints, if you like. And so then you you get, you're coming into a different stage of your life. 
you, you know, maybe most of you get married, have families, things like that. It's not, it's, you know, it brings in a whole different um, environment. You know, you, sisters might have been on, the, you know, going to all the meetings, make all the meetings, and then now you've got these little babies. And you can't take them to the meetings because they're too noisy and, <laughs> you know, this kind of thing. And you have to, you're at home, you know. Are you going to be a, a God-man mum or are you going to be a, an undergoing mum, you know, <laughs> over, overcoming or undergoing, you know, and, and you've got to take care of these, this little one or little ones or whatever. You know, but, but, um, and, and, you know, there's the need for um, the husband, to, he needs to shepherd and take care of the wife. He's, she's not just your wife, she's a sister, you know, your sister, she's another member of the body of Christ and so, you know, you need to, and I'm not, I'm short on this area, but, you know, to shepherd your wife, you know, by ministering to her, sharing from what you've enjoyed in the, in the meetings and whatever, you know, um, times of fellowship. So, um, But then this this category, uh, you could say, you know, rather call them the waste of the body. They can be a W-A-S-T-E or a W-A-I-S-T, you know. <laughs> the waste of the body is the strongest part of the body, and really this is the the strongest part to, to bear the you know responsibility of the burden in the church life. You know, when the brothers get getting older, you know, they, they get into their seventies and eighties or whatever, they, they don't have the capacity, the energy to to you know do so much in the church life. But still we need these brothers because of all their experience, all that they've gone through, all that they've seen, all the all the messages and things that they've heard and things like that. They're necessary, but really it's the it's the ones who are the waste of the body that, that really need to Bear the, the the burden, or the you know, to carry out the fun, the function of in the, in the church life, you know, the, um, being responsible for the the group meetings, the um, taking care of the um, you know, many practical things in the church life. So, and then if you sisters are at home with the, with the babies, but you're supporting, you know, your husband is you are you are serving, you know, vicariously through your husband, you know, so you are supporting him to um, even you you might be taking care of the kids so that he can go to the meeting, you know. Um, and uh, you know, I, my, my situation is my Julie works um, twice a week. <coughs> and so, and, and I'm still kind of grappling with this, but you know, so basically I'm, I'm Mr. Mum, you know, <laughs> so I have to take care of the kids those two days she's gone. But you know, sometimes I do miss some meetings, but I don't realize that there needs to be some creative ways. I think the sisters, Need to kind of have you know develop some creative ways how to how to take care of the kids, so that more more sisters can be released to take you know to go to the, the meetings as well you know to, to babysit together like you know Benson Phillips has shared I don't know if he shared in trainings anyway he shared a number of times with us in, in Anaheim that you know when they were when he was in the church life you know they they basically the sisters would arrange all of these babysitting coordinations and they'd coordinate together and the, the kids would be babysat together so that. You know, the sisters could get you know, at least to three out of four meetings or something like that. So there's four sisters in their family. And actually, it did something to the kids as well. You know, my, my wife, and, and we, we've, we've kind of failed in this area, and we've, but, but, you know, she would say, well, you know, the kids have got school next to the next day. It's kind of difficult, tricky for them. But, you know, just take their homework with them, you know, <laughs> work together. And actually, the kids, you know, I talked to some of the kids, you know, Benson's kids, and they really enjoyed that time. You know, they were together with their buddies and, you know, being babysat and you know moving around people's houses and stuff like that, and, you know they have to do their homework. Just you know, you just 
matter of working it out and making sure. So anyway, I think we do need to shepherd one another to bring up about this kind of, you know, recover this, this kind of exercise among the, the sisters and the kids. To, uh, so anyway, time being... <laughs> Any other parting comments, questions? Or? I'm okay.